Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Hey, this is Writing Class Radio. I'm Allison Langer. Today, I'm your host and substitute teacher. So bust out the candy, chew all the gum you want, and get up to use the bathroom however many times you like. If you've been listening, you probably know I'm a producer and a student in the class. Andrea, our regular host and teacher, is taking a personal day. But don't despair. You will hear Andrea tell a story recorded live from the stage at Lip Service. In the story Andrea tells, she vows to spend 24 hours without once talking about herself. A true feat for anyone. The question is, will Andrea be able to abstain from saying I? Listen and find out. In this episode, you'll also hear John Dope's story from lip service. A rough draft was first told in class. Then it was workshopped and edited for the stage. In his story, John talks about the time he was taken advantage of. If you've been listening faithfully, you know John from episode three. He told a story about being angry with his mom. And in episode seven, he described his first physical reaction to seeing a naked woman. The purpose of writing class radio is to connect with people who love stories and who get inspired by hearing other people tell their stories and who want to learn a little bit about how to write their own stories. This is episode 10 the last class of our first semester. In episode nine, we talked about stakes, what makes a listener or a reader care about a story. And we talked about what's at stake for us as writers telling our stories. We also threw in a bonus episode on Valentine's Day where we asked the big questions about love. The students in that episode will be sharing more of their stories in season two. Today we're talking about writing stories meant to be told out loud. Later in the episode, Andrea gives us tips on how to edit for a performance piece. In the story you're about to hear, an interesting thing happened. When John Doe began to tell his story, people laughed. And then the performance overshadowed the subject. John's story is about rape. It's called Tackled. My head is spinning. I'm groggy. The clock reads 8.30 a.m. But the room is dark, and this isn't my room. I must have passed out from all the weed and alcohol last night. I feel a draft and look down. My junk is out of my pants. (laughs) I start to sit up, but my arm is trapped under something or someone. I look. Oh, shit. It's Maggie Chase. In bed next to me. Asleep. With no panties. Did I? Wait a minute. No, I didn't. And I wouldn't. I gently lift her head and slide out, trying not to wake her. While I'm tiptoeing out the front door, 
Maggie comes clumping down the stairs. She yells, where are you going? I run to my car as fast as I can. <laughs> How could this happen? I've been raped. I'm a senior, and Maggie Chase is a junior. Maggie is severely out of shape. She's pale with blue hair that doesn't fit her. And she's had a crush on me since forever. Maggie's not the type of girl I go for. I'm popular, and I start on the varsity football team. I get invited to parties. I chase cheerleaders and cool party girls. But everywhere I go, in the background, I would notice Maggie staring at me. Sometimes I look at her and put my hands up in the air and say, what? <laughs> or when I was at my locker, and then when I closed the door, she was standing right there. <laughs> so the day before, Sebastian invites me to chill. It's a surprise, he says. And don't tell anyone, especially you know who. Sebastian was talking about his girlfriend. OK, I say. I'm down for whatever, bro. When I show up at his house around 7, Sebastian's standing in his driveway with a huge smile. He gets in the car and gives me the directions that land us right in front of this ugly brown house. Now what's up? Sebastian smiles. Don't judge me. I say, come on. Why would I? We're down like four flats. That's when Sebastian tells me he's going to hook up with a freak, and there will be party favors. His girlfriend has been holding out. Sebastian is horny and needs some attention. <laughs> I ask one question. Is there a girl for me? He says, yeah. <laughs> but he won't look at me. <laughs> I say, hold up. Is she hideous or what? Sebastian says, she looks all right in a way. I say, what kind of way? He says, with the lights off. <laughs> Before he hits the doorbell, I say, I'm going to hang and partake in the freebies, then I'm out. The curtain in the front window moves. Inside, I hear girls screeching, they're here. The door swings open, and there's Maggie Chase. <laughs> Immediately, I think, Oh shit, Sebastian's gonna fuck Maggie Chase? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> Maggie has the biggest smile. She says, I can't believe you're here. Neither can I. 
As Maggie shows us around, she says, Sebastian, Tanya's in the kitchen waiting for you, and she's going to rock your world. Hold up. If Tani's gonna rock his world, <laughs> then Maggie is for me? I grab Sebastian's arm. Before I could say hell no, he whispers party favors. The party starts in the kitchen. Tani's there, overweight and with way too much makeup on. On the table, a bottle of Bacardi Lemon, rolling papers, and some Xanax, <laughs> and an ounce of high-grade weed that could be on the cover of High Times. I start to roll a joint. I can feel Maggie staring at me. And I look over. She sticks out her tongue, licks the side of her thumb, and slowly puts it in her mouth and pulls it out again. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so I roll joint after joint and try not to make eye contact. We all took shots of Bacardi. And after the first joint, I was feeling pretty blitzed. Tanya grabs Sebastian and whispers something in his ear. He smiles and they disappear. Now I'm all alone with her. Oh, where's the bathroom? Maggie says, I'll show you because you'll probably get lost. If she only knew what I was thinking. If there's a window in the bathroom, I will get lost. <laughs> She leads me upstairs to her room. She claps her hands. And then... <laughs> and then Led Zeppelin's Cashmere starts playing. I love this song, but how does she know that? For a second, I'm impressed with Maggie's taste. I say, this is cool, but where's the bathroom? She points to a door, right over there. I rush past her and lock myself inside. There are no windows. When I open the door again, Maggie's right there. Maggie hands me a glass. Here, she says, taste it and tell me what you think. It's strong and tart. What is this, I say? Maggie says, it's homemade lemonade. That's all I remember. <laughs> As the days go by, I try to act like nothing happened. If anyone finds out, I'll lose cool points <laughs> and be labeled desperate. Whenever I see Maggie, I go the other way.
During lunch, I sit as far out of her sight as possible. One day, Maggie starts crying hysterically, making a scene. Girls rush to comfort her, and I'm watching and thinking, this is bullshit. I should be the one crying. <laughs> I wanted to go over there and say, what are you crying about? You took advantage of me. Within minutes, a rumor spreads about poor Maggie Chase, how I hit it and quit it. Like I got what I wanted and I left her. Out of loyalty to Sebastian, I can't even use him as a witness or he'll lose his girlfriend. This is a wingman's nightmare. <laughs> Maggie tells everybody about the birthmark on the tip of my Johnson. because this is later confirmed by one of my ex-girlfriends. What started as a rumor basically becomes truth. I've worked hard at not being marked an asshole. I have four sisters, and respecting girls means a lot to me. Now all the girls look at me, shame on you. The girl I like calls me a douchebag. Before this, I never considered how easily people get taken advantage of. I'd heard stories about girls getting caught up in some flirting that led to non-consensual sex, and now that's me. No one's ever gonna believe I was raped. That's fucked up. Who's gonna believe that a 250-pound tackling machine was tackled. The subject of rape is sensitive. It was not intended to be funny. But in this case, the performance changed the tone of the story. John was revved up by the laughter. His delivery was light and funny. But the story may not be funny to everyone. I talked to some of my friends after the show. A few of them were offended. Some were offended that people laughed. Some were offended that John seemed to make a big joke out of rape. I've heard John tell a lot of serious stories in class, and I think making light of things is how John deals with difficult situations. I asked Andrea why she thinks John's story was so funny and how delivery affects a story. I think part of the reason is that he took a really serious subject and he put like a bizarre spin on it. And um, I also think he has comedic timing. Like he's naturally a comedic storyteller. Like he has excellent pacing. He totally makes eye contact with the audience. He pauses for laughter. And he used the word Johnson. <laughs> what did he say? He had something on the tip of his Johnson? Yeah, he had a birthmark on the yeah. tip of his Johnson. I also want to say that the lip service audience is ready to laugh. So most of the stories are pretty serious. So when someone comes out on stage and, they're say, and they say something different or surprising or goofy, people are ready to laugh. And John is huge. He's like a cuddly 250 pound teddy bear exactly so. that's the other thing 
So someone's personal appearance matters. So this really big guy who is totally adorable, that's it. It's the adorable factor. John Dope is huge teddy bear adorable. Andrea produced Lip Service, a live storytelling show for nine years. I've been going to the show ever since I took my first class with Andrea seven years ago. Back then, 250 people crammed into a small room at Books and Books to hear the stories. It wasn't until I was three years in that I finally submitted a story to read. <laughs> Why did you start Lip Service all those years ago? Because I wanted an audience. I'd actually been living in L.A., and there was a true story reading night like every single night of the week. And when I moved back to Miami in 2006, I, um, I was looking for a storytelling venue. And one day I was sitting at the cafe at Books and Books, and I was talking to this guy, and I was telling him that I had organized a, a true stories, a night of true stories in L.A. And I was like, where do people go in Miami to tell or hear true stories? And he's like, I don't know. Turns out the guy was Mitchell Kaplan, owner of Books and Books. And he said, do it here. And I was like, yeah, okay. And so what I did was I like just started talking to everybody I knew. And I solicited about 35 stories. And from those, I chose eight. And then to get an audience, I used my mom's database. And my mom was born and raised in Miami. And um, she had amassed about 300 names on her database. So I sent an email to all those people. And our first lip service audience was made up of about 65, 65-year-old Jewish women. If you've been in one of her shows, you know that Andrea spends hours and days and weeks editing her own stories and those of her fellow storytellers. I know, because my story called Fakers went through a radical uplift. If you want to hear it, go to lipservicestories.com. I asked Andrea to discuss some of her most important editing tips for telling a story out loud. You'll hear all of those after Andrea tells her story. Hey, if you love our show, there's something I need you to do. Go to iTunes and subscribe. If you're feeling extra generous while you're there, please rate and review us. If you already subscribe, awesome. I know it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but the more reviews and ratings we have, the higher our iTunes rankings and the more people will hear us. That way, we can continue to pay Diego. Thank you. So please take a moment and go to iTunes. Or fuck that. Fund us. Fund us directly. Just go to our website and hit the donate button. After we thank our sponsors, you'll hear if Andrea was successful in her attempt to avoid talking about herself. If you heard episode nine, you're aware of Andrea's need for attention. She told the story of her Uncle Bob going down at her wedding, right as she began her vows, that not one person heard, including her wife. Next, Andrea tells her story about the one and only time she held off talking about herself. Her story is called, Thank You for Listening. I called Victoria while she was having lunch at a restaurant alone. I had something really pressing to tell her. I was getting fired up. I mean, really going. I got a great idea about lip service, a show called Growing Up in a Foreign Land. We'll get stories from gringos who grew up in Miami. <laughs> I was just reaching my stride, telling her all my thoughts when her soup came. She said, honey, I got to go. 
I need two hands. I hung up the phone, feeling dejected. I was pissed. What kind of animal uses two hands to eat soup? <laughs> I called my mom. She always listens when I have something important to say, but I got her voicemail. So I moped around for the afternoon, feeling lonely and sorry for myself. No one cared about my great ideas. What really got me down was remembering that this had happened before, and not just with Victoria. In every serious relationship, I got cut off mid-idea and felt the same rejection. When my mom called me back, she listened, like she always does. But then she defended Victoria, like she always does. <laughs> Leave Vicky alone, she said. I said, whose mom are you? My mom said, Vicky takes care of people's money. She's got a lot on her mind. And that got me thinking that maybe Vicky literally can't take in another word. Maybe I talk too much. And that's when I got another idea. I said, I'm going to go 24 hours without talking about me. I won't even use the word I. My mom said, good luck with that. <laughs> I almost said, I got to go, but caught myself. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Victoria and I had a date that night. I was taking her to a play at the Arsht. She came into my office while I was on hold, trying to cancel a dermatology appointment. With those lines that show up on her forehead only when she's annoyed, she said, why aren't you ready? I started to tell her. Um, I wanted to say, I've been on hold 20 minutes, but I just hung up, ran past her, and into the shower. On our way out, I kissed the kids, and instead of I love you, I said what I'd practiced in the shower. Bye, guys. You are loved. In the car, Victoria said, I had a crazy day. I thought about my crazy day. Then she gave me a detailed report, saw two clients, the third one canceled. I thought about my dermatology appointment I wanted to cancel. Victoria said, my boss came in. He said, keep doing what you're doing. I thought, no boss ever said that to me. Every stupid thing she said made me think of my own stupid thing. But I didn't say, me too, crazy day. And I didn't say anything about how hurt I felt earlier when she had to get off the phone to eat her soup. Instead, I sat there feeling awkward. I opened the mirror on the sun visor and noticed two new swaths of gray at my temples. Oh, God, I said. What? Victoria said. Nothing. When we got downtown, we had only an hour, so I said, Books and Books is having a grand opening. They're serving free hors d'oeuvres. Do you want to grab some before the play? She said, I'm not going to sit through a three-hour play on celery sticks. <laughs> I said, 
where do you want to go? She said, I want a real meal. We walked fast down Biscayne Boulevard. I said, Books and Brooks probably has more than celery. Victoria said, I'm starving. Honey, you had a banana. Victoria got snappy. I can't survive on a banana. I haven't eaten since noon. What are you trying to do? Put me on a diet? You married a big woman. <laughs> oh, God. I wanted to explain. I wanted to say, I love your big ass. <laughs> Instead, I said, do you want to get snacks now and eat after the play? She said, you know what? Fuck the play. We came to an intersection. There was a Checkers and a Burger King on our left, <laughs> a Hilton on our right. Victoria said, thanks for taking me on a date to Burger King. We crossed the street, sat at the bar inside the Hilton and ordered shrimp cocktails and Caesar salads. The food came, and slowly Victoria recovered from her sugar low. Something prompted her to tell me about the Queen of Jordan, and then she showed me pictures on her phone. Pretty, I said. Victoria told me where she went to school, how she was the King of Jordan's fourth wife, how she's making huge strides for Muslim women. While Victoria went on and on, I thought about how much she loves to tell me stuff. I thought about how everyone loves to be listened to. And then I thought about how insightful I was to have such an insight. <laughs> By that point, my face hurt from fake smiling. <laughs> I was dying to contribute to the conversation. I wanted to say, I have a Muslim friend. <laughs> my thoughts felt so urgent and important, but noticing my thoughts made me sick of myself. I counted how many times I wanted to initiate conversation. In the space of ordering and getting our meal, I had something to say 11 times. When I got the urge to tell Victoria what happened when I went to the bathroom, I mentally snapped. Oh my God, I'm a constant drone. No wonder Victoria's gone deaf to me. I'm Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> In the morning, Victoria said, I'm sorry I went postal last night. I was hungry and crazy. I said, that's OK. You were hangry. <laughs> she said, you were so understanding. I lobbed so many ugly bombs. Thank you for not lobbing back. She sounded so sweet and sincere. Then she hugged me, and suddenly I felt dishonest. Trying not to talk about me was all about me. I was a fraud. I said, I have to tell you something. I'm doing an experiment where I can't talk about myself for 24 hours. <laughs> right now, I'm cheating. 
I started last night at five, so I couldn't defend myself or explain anything. I waited for a reaction. Did she feel deceived? Was she mad? Victoria smiled so big, the pretty lines sank in around her eyes. She said, I loved how you handled me. You were so generous. And then she gave me her full attention for 20 minutes, maybe 30. A good, long, satisfying amount of attention. I talked about my Muslim friend. <laughs> and my lip service idea. And my gray hair. And my dermatology appointment. And what kind of animal eats soup with two hands? <laughs> but none of that mattered. It just mattered that she listened. I said, thank you for listening. She said, okay, well, your 24 hours isn't over, so, cállate la boca. Andrea accuses me of not listening to her stories. Okay, so one time she told a painfully long story in class about trying to get Twitter followers, and I started checking my email. <laughs> okay, I admit that was rude, but after she reamed me out, she cut the boring parts. It's hard to decimate the teacher story, mostly because her stories are tight and good. I'm not just saying that to brown nose. That is especially true with the stories she chooses for lip service. My favorite ones are always well-structured, to the point, and vulnerable. She uses the following tips for telling a story out loud. Okay, so Allison, um, thanks for bringing that up, that crap story I read in class. But the, the uh, major point is um, it's really important to edit. Okay, the most critical thing in any story, out loud or on the page, is for the narrator to figure out what the story is about. A story isn't just, hey, this shitty thing happened to me. But this happened to me, and this is how it changed me, or this is what it meant to me, or this is how I'm the same old asshole that I was before, but this is me. Also critical, ground the reader. Tell us up front, I'm a 47-year-old frizzy-headed lesbo who went on a 24-hour diet of not talking about myself. Tell us who, what, <laughs> where, when. What else? What else is important? Okay, also important, one idea per sentence. This is important because the listener gets tired and can't go back to reread. And for the same reason, no long descriptive passages. Also avoid gerunds. For some reason, the audience can't hear ing words. Okay, another good tip is to practice reading your story out loud. If something sounds weird or awkward or bulky, edit or cut. And end sentences, paragraphs, and the whole story on the strongest note. Okay, good place to end. People remember what they hear last. For all you writing nerds like us, visit our website to see this list and more. Writingclassradio.com
Okay, so I guess Andrea failed in her attempt to not talk about herself. But before you judge, try that one at home. Not talking about ourselves is impossible. I accuse my mom of always turning her questions to me back to herself. Maybe we all do that. Well, I've noticed I do. See, I did it just there. So this is your homework assignment. Spend 24 hours without talking about yourself. And here's your prompt. Write about the time you spent 24 hours without talking about yourself. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Just write without stopping. If what you write has nothing to do with the prompt, that's okay. They're just meant to get you started. When the timer goes off, stop. Then read what you wrote into the voice memo on your phone and email it to us at info at writingclassradio.com. Some of your stories will end up right here on our show. Season one has now come to an end. We'll be taking a little break to prepare for season two. Keep sending us your voice memos, classes in session, and we want to workshop your stories. Flying fortress of plastic dreams. Red pen canvas is fire. It seems. Writing Class Radio is produced by Andrea Askwitz, Diego Saldana Rojas, and me, Allison Langer. This episode was edited with additional support from Toby Ash, Miriam Herman, and Alejandro Santiago. Theme music by Astromaps. Additional music by Alien Sex Queen and the Man Sisters. Check out the musicians page on our website. Writing Class Radio is sponsored and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. This episode is also sponsored by Brain Buzz. And there's more Writing Class Radio on our website, writingclassradio.com. Study the stories we study, listen to our craft talks, follow our daily prompts, and time yourself. Then record what you wrote and send it in. Go for it. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Feeling pressures of losing time Single chances that fall behind You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, The Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.